This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile house plants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Without Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me. Help. Help. You're not animated right now for me. Welcome to Ward Scott Files. Here we are in the Warthog Man Cave in an undisclosed location. And I'm uh, speaking in the Melvin Law Studio at uh, 352-325-3938. Right now, we're going through a little few technical difficulties. Uh, My screen is frozen to my production room. I don't know if they know that. Uh, I seem to have lost contact with them, but I'm assuming you're seeing us because... um, I am seeing the feedback here. Satellite feed are reacting up. Plantation markets, um, um, something that uh, we're experiencing. We had a power flicker at the production studio, but the, the face of my uh, production man is frozen right now. Um, hang on a minute while I make a message here and see if we are on, uh, we're communicating at all. Stay with me, okay? Um, he can hear me fine. I just got a message back. He can hear me fine. So. Uh, unbeknownst to me, and I don't really necessarily need to see him uh, in animated form, I suppose. So, but usually we do see each other that way. So, here we are. We're going to make the best of it. As you know, we are uh, being under the watchful eye of um, the uh, platform boys uh, from Silicon Valley all the time. So, I'll talk about that sometime during the show today. Um, and uh, production says it must be an issue with his internet if he's frozen for me, but. Uh, doesn't seem to be interrupting my transmission to you. Um, we're talking now today uh, about um, something that, you know, the way I do the show is um, I just sort of look at the specifics each day that unfold as we live our lives and I see which ones sort of interest me. And then I look to see if there's a pattern. And I've been thinking about this um, presentation for some time. And for a lack of a Jim Murphy, I know the video paused. I can't, I can't understand. I can't do anything about that on my end. I hope it's okay. We're having a buffering issue with Facebook. It's not us. It's their buffering mechanism. It's been going on um, quite a bit with all the podcast broadcasts that feed through that platform. Um, I'm not sure what we can do about it unless we create our own platform. Maybe Donald Trump will save us from all this and create a whole other platform. But we are at the mercy of this internet system. We know that. Uh, just to refresh you, uh, some of the old timers feel it's going to prove out to be the worst hoax ever perpetrated on mankind because we're going to put all our baskets, uh, eggs in this one basket, and um, and then then you know we have no alternatives. So artificial intelligence, meanwhile, is creeping along, taking over more and more of our lives. Uh, algorithms are being written that uh, make decisions that human beings otherwise would have made. So um, this is all part of our world. We're trying to do the best we can in it. Um, and it's really not much uh, option for any of us other than to uh, 
perhaps get out the old tin can and the wire and stretch it through the woods and talk to each other that way. So I've been thinking about what is going on and I've called today's show the State of the Union. And the State of the Union uh, is, uh, uh, Jim Murphy now says he lost the feed. Uh, somebody else say good to go. I'm not sure. I've lost my animated feed to my production guys. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and talk as if we're all hunky-dory. And um, uh, seems like Ward, uh, Walt Boyer is okay. So seems to be a patchwork of is uh, issues here. So I'm going to go ahead and, and, and act as um, if everything is normal, because it probably never is, really. But I'll continue with my discussion with you in class today, uh, even though the lights may flicker and the windows rattle. Um, the State of the Union, if you take a look at it, is uh, a very minimum, everyone would agree, is divided. And you can see that by the representation in the House. You can see that by uh, polling. You can see that by neighbor talking to neighbor. There are a number of ways to understand and, and uh, um, measure this. Uh, and there, so uh, there are some issues. By golly, this is by no means exhausting issues, but issues that obviously have the State of the Union uh, divided. One is climate. I just put that down because we have had so much about climate, and I'm going to try to research that and see what is so and what isn't so. Um, thank you, John. Uh, thank you, Intermittent Working. I'm sure you from my friends, it's out of our hands, so uh, we're doing the best we can. Thank you for keeping me informed here on the Facebook chat. Uh, it helps me very well. I'm, I'm just a couple of seconds behind you, but I can see it. Um, climate is obviously one of the things that is being given a lot of attention. I want to get into that. I've been uh, trying to figure out exactly what the truth is, as uh, we all are, elections, of course, are another one that keep us divided. And I'm trying to figure out what the truth is. Immigration is another one. Uh, I'm trying to determine why we don't have borders. Um, and of course, we have overhanging all this, perhaps, is the woke culture and then factor in COVID. And we've got quite a bit of things to discuss about what is the nature of the State of the Union right now. Um, basically, I would suggest that. I'm going to start off with the climate change because it's been it's been in the in the in the, in the news more than uh, anything else lately because of this Glasgow summit, uh, which I think is Glasgow 26. There have been 25 unsuccessful ones before, so what does that tell you? But basically, the climate change that we hear uh, is preaching gloom and doom, and that always kind of concerns me. You know, you don't want to be around negativity all the time because how do you win if you're around negative people? How do you proceed? How do you uh, improve if you're around negative people all the time? Uh, stay around positive people. And, and yet it seems as if the people who are getting all the attention are the negative people and they're preaching uh, 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 doom, climate doom. Um, uh, you know, some of them, these are basically we're hearing this from the politicians who, of course, or um, have to say these things in order to get yes to get the majority base to vote and put them in. I'm sure they put their own self-interest, aren't you, ahead of the truth. We've seen that again and again. So, uh, for example, Boris Johnson, this is coming from, uh, all this is a compilation of material I've been reading, uh, and I'm going to share it with you in the class today. You can use it in your own research as you wish. Uh, Jean Lomborg, who is president of the Copenhagen Consensus, He's a, a, a scholar on this climate change stuff, says that uh, killing ourselves with carbon 
is uh, not a true statement. We're not killing ourselves with carbon. But what is, he says it's more accurate to say that we're really uh, slowing humanity's progress. You know, when did we become enraptured with fossil fuels? Uh, if you go back, uh, you can take a look at our poets around the turn uh, of, of the, the early 1800s. Uh, William Wordsworth, for example, the world is too much with us late and soon. Getting and spending, we lay waste our powers. Little we see in nature that is ours. We have given our hearts away a sordid boon. Um, that is a classic poem uh, written by Wordsworth, who was able to capsule in rhythmic language there in a sonnet uh, what really was going on in the world that the visionaries and intelligent people could see coming. And what he was saying when a sordid boon, if you translate sordid boon, it's a filthy pleasure. And he saw the industrial revolution coming. You know, when we came to this country, it was not an industrialized concept that we would live under here in this country. It was an agrarian concept and it was fantastic farmland. It was fertile rivers and streams and unspoiled nature. And boy, people thought they had found nirvana. And indeed, there was a very small group of people for a very small uh, uh, a group of time, set of time that did find nirvana. You take a look and it, it, it proceeds probably uh, through basically uh, the mid 1700s to the early 1800s. Um, there seems to be, and this is the founding days of the country when we formalize and codify the principles we want to govern ourselves by. But it was done by primarily, there was a mixture of business people, of course, in that conversation. But there was also a very healthy dose of agrarians in that conversation. And that would have kept our, you know, they, springs clean is one of the arguments you see now. Uh, for those you love to dive, you know, you don't, you don't want to dive in a cesspool. You want to dive in clear, clean water. Uh, the nation was clear, clean water then, and it was not the nation yet. And really, we were relying on uh, uh, animal energy and human energy, which has become a sin now to look back and say, oh, my God, he had human energy. Um, but then what Wordsworth saw, uh, the sordid boon, the filthy pleasure, would be the Industrial Revolution, where we would be in, become enraptured with fossil fuel. And fossil fuel would uh, fuel, would be the fuel for the Industrial Revolution, which would change every single thing about our country. It would change the education model to uh, a, you know mass uh, production model sequentially through grades like a conveyor belt. Uh, it would change the definition of family. It would change the definition of wealth. Uh, whereas food had been wealth before, now money will be wealth to buy food. And... Uh, there was protesting about that, but it got labeled evil because it involved human labor. Um, and therefore, uh, the propagandization, uh, I've lost my uh, vision now of my production guys. I'm not sure. Are we still, give me some feedback out there. Am I still getting through to you? Um, let me let me make a note here if we're still getting through. But uh, uh, time out, time out. Let me let me let me just take a look here and see if I get a message from my guys. Yeah, we're still getting through, but I've lost my vision here to them. That's OK. No problem. So let me continue what I was uh, doing in class today is um, uh, we became enraptured with, um, you know, uh, an industrial society where we'd be free from human labor. Uh, we could count on the machine to do the labor. And um uh, you know, when we get the uh, uh, machines going, we, we really haven't been able to put the plug in a bottle on that. 
Now we're all the way out in the progression of machinery to artificial intelligence and robots. And uh, some of that's good, and particularly in medical science and robotic surgery. But, you know, also some of it's bad because it's displaced the need for human beings. And uh, so we have had this history of a progression toward uh, fossil fuel use to, to uh, be the source of energy for our economy for quite a while. And uh, now we can't just merely put the slam the brakes on that. This is the dilemma, as I've concluded from my studies, and I'll share it with you and let you give me feedback on this. But we just can't put the brakes on this uh, automatically and uh, uh, stop all of a sudden that which has been building up uh, since the early 1800s. So you go 100 years, 1800, 1900. You go another 100 years, 1900 to 2000. You've got 200 years of us building up our fascination with and our obsession with an economy, a culture, uh, a political structure, everything built around the use of fossil fuel. So um, we, as we try to tone down um, the use of fossil fuel, uh, Lumberg says what we're going to have to do is figure out a way because we're going to slow, quote unquote, humanity's progress. Now, the word progress really became a fashionable word when we began to use uh, uh, fossil energy and machinery, because we were always moving toward, you know, a better car, uh, a better machine, an improvement. And, you know, and that became the measurement of progress. One of the principal countries, uh, companies that had this as its slogan uh, for quite a while was General Electric. At General Electric progress as our most important product. Well, we've reached a point now where General Electric has just broken up. Uh, it has now reached the end of that kind of tune, and it has become fragmented because progress as an important product uh, product is no longer really the the thing that uh, uh, you want to um, use as your measuring stick. So what we've got to admit is that progress uh, is um, merely slowing uh, humanity's progress. I mean, the, the lack of use of fossil fuel and um, so we've got to we've got to really get some accurate discussions and accurate measurements because we're not going to be able to turn that spigot off just bam. So, what, what how are we going to be able to decide on a rational rationally decide on policy has become the issue about climate change. Um, you know that that is that is um, and, and by the way the video feed is not our problem. It's coming from the Facebook platform, John. Uh, we'll do the best we can, and we can't control what they have got going on there. Uh, uh, so uh, if you're a moment behind me, stick with me um, uh, as best I can, because I'm, I'm, I've got some good stuff going on here. It's a compilation of years of being a professor, and I'm boiling this down succinctly for you all to think about. Um, so you have to go look for the actual honest conversations and the most reliable scientific discussions you can find, because the climate doom is, if you leave it in the hands of the millennials and the, and the, and the doomsayers, uh, who are, of course, profiting from it, um, then you're going to have yourself uh, uh, an issue with the truth. The, 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 the near as I can figure out that uh, um, the average temperature um, it was, you know, hasn't risen all that much since 1900, which is interesting because, as I was saying a moment ago, 1900 and on is when we began to really crank up technology. Henry Ford comes along with the automobile and the assembly line. And we begin to really commit ourselves 
to a technological society. Uh, so uh, what we've done here is uh, to try to tone this down. We've made energy more expensive and we've slowed economic growth. And that's the dilemma that I can determine is the uh, is, is what everybody is trying to think his way through who has a sound mind. Perhaps it's a global carbon tax. We do know innovation as cannot be discounted. There will be innovation. There will be people with good intelligence and good scientific methodology who will find a way through research to uh, uh, create clean energy. Uh, we've been doing that quite a bit, but not getting much credit for it. This country has really cleaned itself up tremendously. Used to have the word smog hanging over the valley of LA. That's been cleaned up. Uh, so the, don't leave out, uh, don't fall for this climate doom. There's gonna be innovation. Um, there's going to be economic growth, wise economic growth. It's not gonna be a sudden and abrupt uh, dispensing, dispensing of the kind of quality of life. If you have, if you have um, intelligent people as politicians, and that remains to be seen. Uh, the timeline, therefore, uh, for uh, transformation, so to speak, from a fossil fuel society and economy to one of quote unquote clean energy uh, that they're laying out right now is entirely unrealistic uh, from what I can tell. The politicians are making false promises as usual uh, about how energy will be delivered within the next three decades. And uh, they're not doable uh, because you have got rising exploration and quality of life, if you will, based on fossil fuels in the Southern hemisphere, as I've discussed, uh, you've got it in India. And of course you've got it in China. And of course you've got it in Russia. Neither China nor Russia came to, the, came to this recent global summit. I think it was global 26. I've lost track of the numbers of them because all of them have been failure. Yes, Lloyd Bailey, nuclear energy is extremely clean. I'm gonna to get to that in a moment because I have factored that into my research and I've taken a look at it. As, as Lloyd, as you know, it is somewhat stigmatized. Uh, Chernobyl didn't help us at all uh, when we uh, that nuclear reactor uh, um, contaminated that whole area. So there's some, some things that have to be dispelled about the use of nuclear energy. Uh, but the West has become prosperous, let's make no doubt about it. The West has become prosperous through its, its commitment to industrialization. And you see what happened to those who protested use uh, industrialization. What happened is uh, a war and um, the industrialized North with its greater machinery, it's uh, greater numbers of people, it's urban uh, draft base and all that for combat, uh, were able to overcome the agrarians of the South uh, who had their home, land and farms burnt and destroyed. And that was a lesson that the South was supposed to remember or all uh, naturalists, if you will, agrarians were supposed to remember, do not buck the system. The system is industrialized. So we have been prospering. If you want to call our a definition of life right now, prosperous, uh, because we are heavily taxed. Uh, uh, we've done it through industrialization. Now, renewable energy sources like wind and, and solar power, make no mistake about it, are not enough to replace the dependence on fossil fuel. Uh, they're, they're unreliable. Uh, they're subject to nature itself. Uh, changing, uh, it's it's not the it's not the panacea that you you think and that the environmentalists are so smug about. Uh, they they are not going to 
we're not going to be able to rely heavily on non-renewables. Uh, we're, we're probably, as, as uh, we're talking just now, we're probably going to have to have, in order to make this more feasible, a renaissance of nuclear power to keep the quote-unquote world's lights on. But right now, nuclear power has got a, uh, has got a stigma attached to it. Um, but by, by far, according to Andrew Filat and Henry Miller, who write for the Wall Street Journal, they're electrical engineers and uh, technological uh, innovations and molecular biologists, it's their training. They think nuclear power is the best climate change solution uh, by far. Um, the just a couple of just a couple of uh, of uh, comments here about it from their column. Uh, nuclear power requires one two thousandths as much land and wind energy and, uh, uh, as wind and uh, 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 does, and one four hundredth as much as solar. So. Um, any given power outlet, the amount of raw material used to build a nuclear power plant is a small, small fraction of what it takes to build a solar or wind farm. Uh, it's much, much, much more economical to, in other words, build the nuclear structures for our energy needs, which we're never going to be without unless we want to go back to carrying a stick and uh you know, drinking out of the uh, the, the ponds uh, to build a nuclear power plant. Um, one person's lifetime, this is an interesting statistic in uh, an article here by Fialette and, Mil and Miller, one person's lifetime use of nuclear power would produce about a half an ounce of waste. Isn't that amazing? One person's lifetime use of nuclear power would produce about a half an ounce of waste, um, but we still have to get back past. This is the this is the um, uh, fly in the ointment, if you will. We still have to get past the political hurdles, um, the the uh, the kinds of propaganda that's out there, and a lot of financial. The corporations owe no allegiance to anything. They're getting tax breaks from Biden now to jump on the green energy plan, and the green energy plan is not financially feasible. This is the thing I'm discovering, and I ask you to check out and check me on. The green energy plan is not financially feasible, and yet corporations are, are, are getting into the electric car and all this stuff, which takes energy to make the electricity. So uh, we, we, we have to also recognize that China and India and Russia and these people are not going to stop using fossil fuel energy because they're still doing, uh, uh, we're still doing the, the, the uh, um, lifestyle based upon all that. If I stutter for a moment, it's because I'm looking at these chat comments as they come in. Um, so what we've had here, and I'm gonna try to uh, sum up this section on, this is the State of the Union, and I'm just talking about one of the big issues that you've been hearing a lot about, that affects all of our lives, and that's the climate. Uh, I want to sum up by saying that um, the opinion page of the Wall Street Journal, oh, two or three weeks ago, uh, said that the climate summit was going to be a climate summit to nowhere, and that it would turn out to be the worst uh, summit in history. Um, it's called Climate uh, Summit 26. I, I, I remembered it right. And uh, there have been 25 failures before this one. Um, 
The commitments of developing countries in this climate summit were very, very flimsy. Already they've had to tone back the rhetoric because these guys are just not going to fall for it, particularly China and Russia not even attending the summits. So um, they are not, they're, they're going to actually use this as an opportunity in Russia to ramp up their supply of gas, which Europe depends on. So the commitments of developing countries are even flimsier and depend on bribes from the rich. Uh, bribes from the rich means that the Association of Southeast Asian Nations a call for more international aid to finance emissions reductions. In other words, Mr. Biden, if you're going to tell us as a developing nation that we have to tone back our use of uh, fossil fuel energy, then you need to subsidize us with your wealth, which you got from fossil fuel energy, and give it to us so we can protect our lifestyle. Isn't that interesting? I learned a long time ago that the Southern Hemisphere developing countries are, have not yet done their pioneering. For the most part here in the Northern Hemisphere, we did. We hit the Pacific Ocean, we couldn't go any farther. So we had to come back. So we created wealth. This wealth has been with us, oh, since the 1900s, throughout the 20th century. We've been building that wealth. It's been interrupted by a couple of wars, but we've been able to maintain it and uh, come out of it pretty doggone solid. But now that we've come out of it solid, we've become the checkbook for the developing countries. And also we've created a, a cast of characters here in our own country who are anti-American and who are uh, telling us that we're, uh, we've ripped the rest of the world off. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're the people who, who ought to be uh, coated with sin. Uh, we used uh, human labor, uh, which is a mouth, uh, uh, you, know, you know, they don't understand that. Uh, by doing away with human labor, we went to the machine. I think one of the things that's gonna happen is not now, not in our lifetimes, but some historians gonna look back and say, boy, what a trade-off that nation did. It used human labor where every human being was needed, okay? And switch it to machine labor where every human being was a liability instead of an asset. And it doomed their country. That could be the scenario a hundred years from now from a, from a historian. I might even write an essay about that. I think I might write an essay uh, 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 looking back from the point of view of someone who's living right now, but pretending as if I were alive a hundred years from now and looking back on this country. And then I would, you know, I think that would be fun. I might do that. I'm, I just amaze myself again. Um, so the climate has warmed by 1.1 degrees Celsius since the 19th century. Now you can argue that that warmth has been a result of our increased smokestack culture. And the Greenies do, that's what they argue. So now we have this special obsession to coerce banks and other financial institutions and corporations to impose a green agenda on lending and investment decisions. I tell you right now, my friends, uh, you watch it. I mean, that's they gotta get the money from someplace. So they're gonna force it on uh, those of us who are enjoying at long last a halfway decent lifestyle but we, you know, we must rip somebody off to have it. So we're going to have to pay through taxation. It is a, a, a crazy, crazy kind of uh, place we're coming to. But that's it. Uh, some of the guys are now beginning to call this the age of climate shams. And, and uh, uh, you know, the hoax is so prevalent that, uh, you know, we can't get to the truth. Uh, China, meanwhile, is raging on. It has developed 
illegal, it's illegal islands in the South China Sea. And Ramsey Semran, I used to talk about this all the time years ago, into military bases, and nobody has, um, we haven't stopped them. And very soon, you know, we fought, we fought this bloody, bloody war. My father fought in it, as you know, and through Iwo Jima and Okinawa, used the atomic bomb twice to win to make sure that the Pacific theater was not dominated by the Japanese. Now, the Chinese are going to come along and dominate the Pacific theater all the way to Australia. They've threatened Australia with their increased global naval power, and we're doing nothing about it. We're over here arguing about whether or not there's such a thing as diversity and inclusion. And meanwhile, we fiddle while Rome burns, to use the old illusion. It's not a healthy state of the nation. Um, the uh, world of United States of America is becoming unmanageable. It is a conclusion I have, I have come to. And I'm gonna talk a little bit after our break about why it's become unmanageable and why it's going to probably become more unmanageable unless some trends are stopped. So I'm amazing myself today. I'm really working this out in my own mind as I use you, my students, as my sounding board. I am coming sort of clear-eyed on what's going on in this country simply by being your talk show host. And I probably need to sit down and put pen paper and record this a little more clearly because I know of no one else who has done this as well as I'm doing it right now, the word all. Right back after we sponsor. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. The Ward Scott Files gold sponsors are On the Spot Dry Cleaners, Okita America Martial Arts, R&R Construction, Gators Dockside, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Wardscott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. Welcome back to War Scott Files. Here we are again, and we're doing all right. I understand from production, we've got a few things going on we don't control, and that is uh, our production studio had a flicker just before we went on the air of power. Uh, we had to reboot on that, and then Facebook has been having issues lately on its buffering. So if you're getting an intermittent interruption, it's not us, it's they. And um, uh, so I'm continuing because I'm learning myself. I'm putting together the pieces of a uh, of, uh, of, of, the, of our culture right now. And I'm coming to a, an understanding of what the state of our union is by using you, my students, as my sounding board and asking you to give me feedback. I see from Plantation Mark, he has a very good point that the county commission um, has up and where he is, is turning down permits for solar farms uh, uh, because they eat up farmland. You know, this whole concept of solar uses a tremendous amount of land. And here in our community, as I understand it, we've tried to stick it down in poor old 
Archer. Archer is a redheaded stepchild around our community. We used to have the landfill down there. They are their own worst enemy. Uh, they don't have any commissions that ever can make decent decisions, it seems like. I was interim city manager for a while. I know those people pretty well. Uh, there might be something missing in the water or something, I don't know, that causes them to go backwards rather than uh, getting anything done. But meanwhile, the county takes advantage of them and dumps did for a, dump their refuse down there. And, and uh, by the way, which is all refuse from the industrial society because we manufacture all these things. You see, there's really no reason why we have to put water in a plastic bottle. We could drink water out of the pond if we were uh, Native Americans or if we were Aborigines or something living in the natural world. Or even as we did in South Africa before colonization, we drank it out of ostrich shells. Uh, so um, an ostrich shell makes a great container for rainwater. Uh, but we have manufacturing. So you manufacture, uh, one guy manufactures the bottles and another guy manufactures the labels and this and that. Everybody has a niche, an economic niche, makes money off his particular individual's thing. But when it's all put together, what do you do with the bottle when you're through drinking out of it? Um, you can't eat it. It's not, a, it's not an ostrich cell, so you got to throw it somewhere. So we've been tossing it into the landfills and uh, fighting like crazy in some places to get a recycling program going. Uh, and oddly enough, the very wealthy are the ones who at least want to be troubled by it. I have very wealthy friends who just don't recycle it, befuddles me. But it's just a, they argue it's just a pittance against the whole concept of an industrial society, which we can't get out of. Um, there's another choice or another thing that could happen to us. Nature could kick us out. So it's done it before. It's kicked out a lot of species before us. And this whole romantic notion that we can save um, the earth is a bunch of crap. The earth will save itself. It may not save its niche for us. Our, our environmental niche may perish. Uh, we may pollute the streams to the extent that we cannot not only dive in them, we can't drink out of them um, and, uh, uh, and all that sort of business. So, so uh, you know, this is the state of our union right now. Now I want to move on to elections. Um, uh, well, there's one other thing that is affected I meant to talk to you about. Um, uh, well, I'll talk to you a little bit later about that. I want to move on to elections. Um, elections are now we you understand, do you not? I'll say this again, that we had a, we had the president of the National Association uh, of Scholars on our show Monday, Mr. Peter Wood, Dr. Peter Wood, uh, who is uh, an anthropologist, was a provost of Boston College, who is the president of the scholars of this country. OK, that association, his show, you can't find it. Um, we, you know, because the way we broadcast, we broadcast here, we shoot it out to YouTube and YouTube. Uh, we have our own show on YouTube runs concurrently and it's stored there. YouTube took that show down because it had comments in it questioning the veracity of the election. OK, and they will not allow the, the millennials running YouTube will not allow anything to question the election narrative that there was no fraud. So they took us down and they threatened to take it. They took us down for a week. So for a week, you will not see us on YouTube and you will not ever see Peter Wood's show. I just got a message across the stream while we're on the air here from the booking agent that booked him. 
the for me. The booking agent I have a relationship with in DC books these speakers, book Sidney Powell with me, uh, book Sheriff Arapio with me. This is uh, one of the things we do, uh, why we need donations and sponsors to bring the first class presentation. So um, now though, um, the, the, uh, uh, the booking agency just flashed a message across my screen. Uh, do we have a recording of that show that was taken down? No, we don't. No, we don't. But we do? I guess we do. Oh, my production guy says he's got a recording of it. Aha, the plot thickens. But I'm going to tell you now, there is the next thing I want to talk about with the State of the Union is, of course, uh, elections. And I'm not going to use the word censorship because that triggers um, the word, the word uh, cops, okay? But if you say elections, maybe I can get away with this, okay? Maybe I can get away with it. So, uh, by the way, just let me reread the definition of disinformation, misinformation, and bad information. And disinformation is information that is basically false. Guess who spread all the false information? The media and the Steele dossier did. It spread the information falsely, and the media picked it up that Trump and Russia were in cahoots, and Russia helped Trump get elected over Clinton, when the truth was Clinton was in cahoot with Russia to try to keep Trump from being elected. This is a classic, classic, you can't make, Hollywood couldn't write this script in. This is beyond Hollywood. Misinformation is information that's false, but the person who disseminates it doesn't know it and thinks it's true. Uh, that's probably your local gossip at the coffee shop. When you're talking with someone who doesn't know what he or she's talking about, but believes what he or she's talking about, that person is laboring under misinformation, not disinformation. Disinformation, that person would know was false. Misinformation is where the person thinks it's true, but it's false. And then bad information is a, a information that is deliberately libelous and uh, may, may, meant to inflict harm on a person. And, uh, and, and there are examples of that. I think that's what we have. We have malinformation in the uh, uh, SWAT team situation. Somebody, I can't, we're going to get to the bottom of if we can. Somebody deliberately gave bad information to the cops, or the cops were stu stupid and gullible, they accepted it, that there was something criminal about an argument over commissions between two real estate companies. That is malicious. And if that turns out to be true, I think you're going to see lawsuits flying all over the place. It's going to be just crazy, crazy, crazy. Um, how much um, they better get their checkbook out. So what's happened in this country? I'm going to put it this way. OK, I'm going to put it this way so that you uh, you uh, 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 know, know that I'm trying to slip by under the censor's eye here. The little millennials who run Facebook and YouTube and all that kind of stuff who probably don't know who we fought in World War II. Um, the question is, and this is uh, written by Brad Roethlisberger. Uh, and God knows he's on dangerous territory. He's Georgia's secretary of state. He wants to know who stole America's confidence in elections. Now, the popular narrative is, and I would say this is really bad malinformation that Clinton did. Clinton maliciously, maliciously tried to overturn the election that Trump won. 
Okay. Malinformation. Will she be prosecuted? Will the millennials that run YouTube and Facebook and all that ever hold her responsible? No, they will not. They will not. So the Steele dossier set the stage. This is the this is the moment. I mean, I'm talking about the State of the Union now. This is the moment when Americans lost confidence in their elections. The Steele dossier. This is what started the frustration that you see in the so-called insurrection on the Capitol steps. Those people knew that the Steele dossier was a lie. They knew that Comey and Brennan and all these people were cheats. They knew that the Steele dossier was, at the very minimum, was disinformation. But really, it was more like malinformation, salacious lies uh, that ended up actually Look at the way they treated Flynn and look at the way they're treating uh, Bannon now and anybody. They're still trying to continue the extension of this lie. So these unverified claims, this is where we really lost confidence in America, according to Roethlisberger. And I'll let you think about it. We really these claims were turned over to the FBI. Who ran with them? So we've lost confidence not only in elections, we've lost confidence in the FBI. The damage the dossier has done to the state of the union of the United States of America, a, a republic, as Lloyd Bailey wants me to say all the time, I got no problem with it, uh, is irreparable. The country was systematically and comprehensively told to believe, we won't call it a lie, a falsehood. Now, if the people listening to this show, and I, we think YouTube now does listen, listen to this, you know, hang on. You know, they'll probably come looking for us again. But this is what's going on in the country. And YouTube and falsehood, they can try to shut it up. But if they try to shut it up and pin it up, it's going to explode somewhere. I mean, now, that's just the way pressure cookers work. But they're trying to get Brandon right now for saying things very similar to what I just said. He said all hell was going to break loose. I'm not going to say that because that phrase will trigger the algorithms. But I'm going to use the term pressure cooker. They probably don't know what a pressure cooker is. These kids, they got all their food at McDonald's. And even we even know that the evidence that the dossier was based on was untrue, unreliable. And then we have the, it's, you know, nobody writes about this, but Stacey Abrams is over there maintaining her election was stolen. You know, and nobody, you know, that, that, that slips through that slips through the cracks, doesn't it? That slips through the cracks. Let me check my comments here. I'm just looking to see. Uh, still, y'all, I'm a little bit behind y'all still talking about the climate change issues. That's fine. Go ahead and talk about it. Now, so we have a stolen confidence in elections. We have media misinformation. Boy, do we ever have media, let's call it misinformation. Uh, they, 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 do they know when they say these things 
uh, that that uh, uh, they are not true. What they're saying? Do they, I mean? Do, do they know it? Are they? Uh, do they? What do they? What do they think? I mean, you know, what's going through their head? Because we know the media is left leaning, and we know that they peddle their own falsehoods and endorse. And you know, and, and the education system does the same thing. It hires and promotes its own kind who believe the same things and drive all the people off the campus who question it, or like they did here, drive us off the talk show, drive my guest Peter Wood off the talk show and try to drive the talk show down. And any any attempt to, to share opposing views, hey, you're going to be in power. You're going to have problems, even with your the guy you go get your barbecue from. He's a half the time. He's a coward. We've had people who were on this place, on this on this show as a as a sponsor, quit because they were so scared. Because you know they had to sell a hot dog also to somebody who was on the left, and so they didn't want that person. No courage. No courage. And that's all the way up to the corporate level. The corporate business world has no courage. Has no. It has no commitment to this country. I remember years ago when Congress was trying to investigate Nixon and they were trying to, elect, to determine where he got his money from for his election campaigns. And they hauled in an Exxon executive. OK, and they hauled in an Exxon executive and they found out the exec, Exxon executive had given Nixon campaign fifty thousand dollars in cash in a brown paper bag. So they were chewing him out about it. And they said, well, why did you do this? Why did you give this presidential campaign $50,000 in cash under the table uh, from Exxon? And the guy said from Exxon, hey, man, I don't owe my Exxon doesn't owe its allegiance to America. Exxon owes its allegiance to its shareholders. And if Nixon can get us a greater return on the dividend, then we'll take it. Now, it's become fashionable, you see, for Biden to run down corporations. But meanwhile, he'll subsidize corporations if they'll buy into the green energy hoax. I, I you know, I, I see things too clearly. I, I, I need to take, a, um, you know, I, I need to take put on blinders or something. So we've got stolen confidence in elections in the State of the Union. We've got media mi misinformation. We've got the last thing is the insurrection hoax. This, this is this hoax that these guys. Oh, I better watch it. You know, somebody's listening, and oh my golly, he he questioned the popular narrative. You 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 think about it yourself. You think about it yourself. Now, meanwhile, we've got. I think you know. Final thing I need to kind of run by you. I don't know. It's the final thing. There's no going to be no finality to this. But uh, this bill that was just past okay i think it's going to pass i mean I, I keep hearing oh it's going to be held up oh no it's going to be this and that and by the way we've got a communist uh they're 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 getting ready a, a blatant communist uh, they're getting ready to okay to head the banking um she's a nominee let me just run this by you she's the top pick for the treasury uh, uh department position and uh, 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 the banking committee, she's going to 
be over the bank, and she's a Marxist, and she thinks that there should be no private uh, bank uh, uh, bank accounts. That all should be federalized. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I mean, you take a look at it and make sure I'm right about that. You take a look and make sure I'm right about that. So we have got, uh, um, um, and I haven't even gotten to COVID yet. You know how COVID has worked a, a dissension and dis distrust of the government into the equation as well. So uh, let me just, uh, uh, let's see, John Dole says the media must have found a way to monetize a divisive narrative. That's right, the media has. How do you monetize? Well, you get on the bandwagon. It's a really, a t it's why we have so much trouble here monetizing this show. We're not on the popular narrative. We're questioning the popular narrative. And, and therefore, it's very difficult to monetize the show because people only want to go with what's safe. That's just the way the nature of the world is. And, and, and that ends up getting them burned. So, uh, Immigration is a one we're going to talk about for a moment. It is amazing that there is absolutely not a peep or a squeak out of the Biden administration about immigration. Uh, and, and yet you poll, and Jason Riley uh, wrote a column about this, you find out that the voters are more anxious about illegal immigration than they are about the climate. Does that surprise you? Does that surprise you? There is a poll that finds that nearly half the respondents, 47%, this is about a Quinnipiac findings, 47% were very concerned about illegal immigration. Another 26% were somewhat concerned. Women were more worried than men and suburbanites. And when the voters this is unfortunate when the voters gave Biden an evenly divided Senate and a razor thing House majority, uh, then there's very little immigration policy that's going to change. The uh, Biden is really even already, he learned it from Obama, reinstituted the refugee relocation program, which was a clandestine movement by Obama to bring in Middle East men and distribute them Muslims throughout various communities in this country. Minnesota was one of the places where he, they, they, they were distributed uh, to, and you see the, the results of that. You see Omar, you see Tlaib, and they are really traitors to the country. Uh, uh, so many people view, that, view them that way, and it's easy to do that. They run down the country, uh, and they run down a country that allows them to run down the country which they don't ever recognize. We, okay, you want to run down the country? We'll allow you to run down the country. You know, that's one of the hallmarks of our culture. Unless, of course, you're praising the country and then we'll lock you up or we'll cut you off or we'll silence you. Um, but the voters are more anxious about immigration. They don't say anything being done about it. Um, they... Um, they think that the Democrats want to extend amnesty and that they want to legalize illegal behavior. Um, they, they, they're even willing to subsidize, this is something, we'll see how this works out in the elections, 
give each one of them $450,000. I mean, my God, you know how much, do you know? Well, let me tell you what would happen with that money for the most part. I've got friends who won the lottery. Well, I got friends who know people who won the lottery. I know one guy has won the lottery. I know a person who won, who has, well, his maid won the lottery, okay? The $40 million lottery. His maid. He was a doctor. He had a maid. Took care of the house and everything. Came home. She's gone. She won the lottery. Within two years, that money was gone. Took the lump sum. All of a sudden, that woman had more cousins and more relatives than she ever knew existed. And they all, she bought this one a Corvette and bought that one a motorcycle and this, that, and one other. Um, Sheriff Ulrich actually ended up with the Corvettes because the Corvettes had cocaine in them. So you went out, you know, money from the lottery went to the relative who got the Corvette, who then bought the Coke. You follow the chain. You just start giving people money. That don't necessarily mean they got any kind of head on their shoulder for taking care of it. There's one interesting thing that's going on about COVID. I've heard so much about COVID. Um, and by the way, I just got to note that that, that that bill did narrowly pass at one point. It's not going to be 1.5. It's going to be more like four or five million. I mean, it is really, really... I got an article here that I haven't even gotten to yet that I'm thinking about including in my essay um, what this does to the family. Let me see if I can find that darn thing. Um, oh, I tell you, is it, here it is. Let me just sort of talk about what that bill does to the family. And this is this is something I would use in my works cited. These are statistics I'm interested in. I'm going to share with you, okay? This is written by Casey Mulligan. And Casey Mulligan, who is Casey Mulligan? Professor of Economics at the University of Chicago. Okay, uh, here we go. If Now that this bill is passed, this is what we can expect this will do to family, all right? A single mother earning 75% of the median household income in her state will pay nothing for child care, regardless of how much the child's father earned. But the father's income counts if he is legally part of the family. A husband and wife who each earned about 75% of the median income would have to pay thousands for the same daycare. So in 22 to 24, 2022, the married couple will likely pay full price, which would likely exceed $15,000 a year, 30,000 for two children under five, but this bill is gonna lift that, okay? The new child care program would provide a major safety net and what you would end up doing is really rewarding regulated childcare facilities for unwanted, uh, unmarried parents uh, under the guise that um, uh, this would free them up to go work. Huh? You see, this is a trade-off we're being told. Well, if they didn't have to pay for childcare, they'd go work. So we'll pay for childcare so they can go work. Let's see how that turns out. Huh? Let's, let's, let's see how that turns out. There you go. Anyway, poor old Moderna. I'm going to conclude with this. The government has ganged up on Moderna. I didn't know this. Moderna, unlike Pfizer, evidently, uh, this involves a patent over the gene sequence in Moderna RN, uh, mRNA vaccine. 
in which these proteins are formed by chains of amino acids, et cetera, et cetera. You've heard about all that. But media, the media has written that Moderna, unlike other vaccine makers, has refused to pay the National Institute of Health for its invention. See, the government is claiming, well, like Obama said, you didn't build that. Remember Obama saying that? Well, the government is saying that now to Moderna. You didn't build that. You built that with government help. Um, Moderna spent billions of its own money trying to figure out how to do all this years ago and anticipating a need for this sort of approach. And so they haven't, they haven't paid the National Institute of Health for its invention because the National Institute of Health was nowhere around when Moderna was working, trying to figure out how to create this sort of approach. Uh, but uh, they're claiming that federal science, the government's claiming that federal scientists invented it and taxpayers funded it. So the, 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 the uh, vaccine belongs to humanity. And National Institute of Health asserts it has the rights to Moderna's vaccine and are trying to force it to share its intellectual property with the rest of the world. Um, and already Moderna has promised not to enforce its COVID vaccine patents. It's also offered to give National Institute of Health co-ownership of the patent of the gene sequence. But what the left wants is for Moderna to concede that the government invented COVID vaccine. You know, I, 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 I have underestimated how much COVID has divided this country also and how much COVID has gone into the definition of the State of the Union. Um, it's really quite a trip we're on, and I um, appreciate you uh, bearing with me as I went through some of my research with you, all of which you're able to refute, expand upon, contribute to, or totally deny or whatever. Uh, but I think I'm going to think seriously about writing something from the point of view of somebody in the future who's looking back on now and examining what was the popular hell opinion that really should not have been a popular hell opinion. Warthog Command Center out.